Log Talk Radio. Deep within the molten core of a dying star. Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Burroughs. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I'm a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreasen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's Band. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Positivity. I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift talk show, blogtalkradio.com.
molten core of a dying star. That's hot. From the snow-capped mountaintops of Middle Earth, orbiting above the Earth in a stolen alien spacecraft. The Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show. Now, strap on your seatbelt, get ready to kneel, true believers, because here's your host, Emmy. On Friday, Develle McLean was preparing a meal at her friend's house when her salad dressing fought back. I heard pop, 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 and I looked up and it was possessed. It was going crazy. It was shooting up in the air to the side. You heard that right. Develle says her Dorothy Wench salad dressing bottle exploded. It sounded like a firecracker going off in, in the house. How loud was it? <laughs> Real loud. After the big pop, she snapped these photos for proof, knowing that no one would believe her. Well, it's hard to explain. I was attacked by a bottle of salad dressing. I think he probably thought I was in the whiskey or something. It wasn't until later when Devell found out her dressing had been recalled. In a statement, Dorothy Lynch says a bacteria in their product is bubbling, causing the dressing to foam or even spew out. Go get a refund and just take it back. Don't even wait to see if it ticks. And if you do, open it outside. Give your kids something to play with. With damage to the carpet, the walls, a computer, and even her dress, she estimates $2,500 in total destruction from just a $3 bottle of dressing. From the depths of my toes to the top of my head, I will never eat Dorothy Lynch again. That stuff is crazy. In Casper, Matthew Seedorf, K2 News. Everybody, this is Emmy from the Graveyard Shift, and I am on the air with Mr. Michael Knight, magician extraordinaire. 
And um, before, how are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good, thank you. Now, this is actually very unusual for recording because actually Michael and I can see each other, but you guys can't see him or me because we're doing a magic trick. Woo! I, I got a face for video, so. That, that's what he keeps telling me. I think he looks pretty handsome. I mean, you know. I wouldn't leave my wife for him, but, you know. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about Mike, Michael. Um, he's been performing for more than 20 years from Atlantic City to Hollywood. Um, and, he, you know, he's always looking to, to bring magic to, to the masses. And, um, you know, he's got a website you can actually go to, uh, michaelknight.com, um, where you can actually book him well, if he's available. He's a pretty busy guy. And, uh, you know, I – I am very honored to 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 met Michael online and to to get to know him a little bit. Um, he's been a member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians since 1984, a lifetime member of International Magician Society. He's also, by the way, a past president of the Toledo Society of Magicians and has won many awards for the shows he's produced. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to get on the show with us. Why don't you Why don't you tell us a little bit about you know yourself as not just as a magician, but as a person, really kind of what brought you to this path in your life as a magician? Um, well, as far as it goes, I'm, I'm kind of a variety, a variety artist. I'm, I'm a stand-up comic. Uh, I actually just started doing acting, just uh, did a small horror, horror movie. Um, and I also do the comedy magic, hypnosis, and ventriloquism. So it's kind of like a whole combination of stuff I do. But um started off kind of like any other guy in magic. Uh, my brother bought me a little magic kit when I was, oh man, probably 10 years old. And um, kind of started there, used to bug the family, you know, watch this, watch this kind of stuff. And kind of grew out of it a little bit. And then as I got a little bit older, I was playing in a band. And um, we called it High Voltage. And I was a drummer. And um, we actually set up a thing for school to where we were supposed to play like a little concert, you know, in front of all the kids. Yeah. Well, the other dudes, you know, they're kids they just wanted to go play where I wanted to practice practice and so um when it come down to it I tried to get out of doing the show and the music teacher said no said you know you got the spot you got to do something so I ended up doing some magic tricks that I knew and um it was kind of nice because I walked in with a shoe box compared to you know a huge drum set and all this kind of stuff huh. but well, now I now I got enough I could fill up a semi-trailer or two <laughs> uh, you, you you're, you're I mean wow I bet so you have like a lot of uh equipment and Wait. and um Magic tools, like uh, is that what? Now I've heard different yeah, magicians. Fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's our tools. It's what we use to to create what to we create, do. Great. Yeah, right. Yeah, now you know, uh, some of my fans know this, and I've been trying to learn about how magic, and it's 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 not for everybody. And right. I gotta tell you guys, it's not. You know, it, it's just such an amazing world that you envelop yourself in, and. Well, any, anybody can really do it. It's uh, it's just how much time and effort and practice you put into it. You right, know, and, and practice they, is I, I used to own a magic shop, so, you know, I had guys who would just come in and, you know, just kind of do stuff for his buddies kind of thing. And then I had, you know, the professionals that would come in, you know, that, that you know, they were in from Vegas and they would stop in or whatever. So, you know, it's it's a wide range. You can go from an amateur to a professional. So and it's a nice thing that it's one of the hobbies that you can actually kind of really make money with, too. And how many years did you did it take for you to get to like a pro level? Oh boy. Um, well, I guess I say '98 is when I bought the magic shop, and it was actually the magic shop I worked at as a kid. And um, I ran that up until 9/11 happened, and unfortunately, I did costumes also, and it just wiped me out. 
I would have seven or eight employees, you know, during during October, and then when 9/11 happened, it was it was just me. Nobody, you know, I I kind of lost everything with that. Um, so I closed that up, and then got a real job for a little while, and then it was while I had the magic shop, a guy stopped in. His name was Raven. He was working the comedy club, and um, when you work comedy clubs, that's you got the entire day until eight o'clock at night. So he come into the shop. And it was just after I bought the shop. And he come in, and he, um, I, I recognized his name. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're at the comedy club. He goes, yeah. So he kind of hung out, and he actually helped me since I just bought the shop. We are kind of getting everything ready and, re, you know, moving everything, getting it all set up for Halloween. And he goes, you got to come out and see my show. So I actually closed up early on a Thursday night, went out and seen the show, and I knew hypnosis was, was something I should do. So I told him afterwards, I said, you got to teach me. And he laughed at me and said no. And, um, so, you know, basically he said every magician that sees a show wants you to train them. So he would not teach me at all. Well, I started learning everything I could on my own. And back then it was VHS tapes. I was getting VHS tapes, every book I could find. Wow. And by a fluke, this really strange old guy walks in, had a big ZZ top beard, smelled like stale smoke. Was it Merlin? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have that kind of look, you know, just really, really skinny, just, you know, and, uh, just a real rough voice. He comes in, and I was reading a book on, on stage hypnosis uh, by Orman McGill, and he just looks at me, and he goes, you do hypnosis? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to learn. And he just turned around and walked out. So I thought, okay, I just scared the hell out of that guy. <laughs> you know? And I don't know, two, three hours later, he goes back in the door again. He's got this box, again, that smelled like he did, old stale smoke and just musky, and huh. he pops it down on the counter, and it's full of videos and books. I mean, Whoa. thousands of dollars worth of stuff. And I'm like, what is all this? And he goes, he goes, stuff I've collected over the years for hypnosis. I'm like, wow. So, well, what do you want for it? He goes, you can have it. And he just turned around and walked out. Wow. So it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it turns out we're, I'm in Toledo, Ohio. So we've got, you know, the Great Lakes and everything right here. But he works the freighters. So I guess he would be gone for, you know, months, maybe years at a time. And he just happened to come back in, walk in my shop that day. And I remember his name was um, Orville. Because I always or- thought Orville. Orville, yeah. Because I always thought Orville Redenbacher from the popcorn. Yeah, commercial. yeah. I was just gonna say. <laughs> so, that stuck in my head. But um, so I I went nuts with this material, and then I would get to where guys would come to the shop, and I'm like, hey, tell you what, I'll give you a discount on this magic trick if you let me hypnotize you. So then oh. I would sneak, I'd sneak them into the back room, and I'd hypnotize them, and then I would videotape everything to kind of learn. Right. A year later, Raven comes back through town on tour again, so I go here, check this out. Yeah, I've been practicing. And he goes, you're really serious about this. I'm like, I'm extremely serious about it. So after that, he actually took me under his wing, and I went on tour with him and, and started working. the same guy, right? The same guy that right. Was... Same one that said no. Yeah. He, he finally, you know, he realized that I was really, because most guys will say it, but they don't really do anything right, with it. Right, right, right. So because I did so much on my own, and I even got certified um, by learning so much on my own, I took the certification without actually doing any course. And, certification uh, for what? For hypnosis or? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a board certified hypnotist. Oh my uh, gosh! For for weight loss and stop smoking and all that kind of fun stuff. Wow. But, um, so I just yeah, I just I kind of went crazy with it, and um, then I it took me about two years of of working the show before I ever put it on stage. But um, I think even Raven said it, it was because of my experience with my comedy magic that it led right into the hypnosis. And that's the show now is I kind of – I open up with the, the comedy and the magic and right. ranch roll and then from that, then I 
get volunteers up and hypnotize them. It's a, it's about a two hour show. <laughs> now that's amazing. Now and, and just to be clear, I mean to do the hypnosis, you actually people have to actually be willing to be hypnotized. Yeah, you really can't force anybody into it. Um, right. You you kind of go in and out of it every day. It's a very natural state. But and, and that's you know we could have you know a three hour discussion just on that. But um, you know I, I cannot force somebody to to get hypnotized. You know if I could do that, I would just. I'd have a ton of beautiful women at my door. And <laughs> 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 yeah. So it doesn't work quite that easy, but uh, but it's it's not as it's not as spooky as everybody thinks. Right. You know, everybody thinks that I can control your mind, and then, you know, no. If you don't want to do anything, you don't do it. Right, and, and yeah, and I, I mean, it's it, one of they, the. You, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I said, well, they can refuse a command. You know, they can just kind of say, no, I don't want to do it, and because you're still aware of everything that's going on around you, but it's 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 kind of a it's hard to explain, but it's just kind of a strange little experience but yeah I, i've got some extreme fans that um i mean they'll drive a few hours coming to see my show and i you know, see that i noticed yeah. that and they'll do like a party bus kind of thing get you know they'll get 20 30 people together and come out to the show and it's like i don't want to drive two hours to do the show <laughs> you know they'll come a couple hours to come see it but um you know i so I, I got great fans i love my fans and that's what keeps me doing it and keeps keeps everything fresh that's awesome i mean and to have that kind of a fan base that they would go to that length to those lengths to see you I mean yeah. that's something that a lot of us in this field would kill for. Oh yeah. You know, and I know I've done it to see you know a rock band or something like that. I know I've driven a long ways to you know to see somebody. And you know when I first uh, Jeff McBride is a is a rather famous magician, and I remember driving down to Cleveland just to meet him. And so you know that's I guess I can understand what it is, but it's just weird for me that somebody wants to do it for me. <laughs> well, you know, but but you know, Michael, I think it 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 kind of um, calls to your talent and and you know marketability the fact that you've already got to that point and it's yeah. just gonna i think it's just gonna just balloon from there i think i think you're just gonna be even more surprised and i know. wish ellen would call ellen get me on tv <laughs> <laughs> well well who knows anything could happen yeah. um, so yeah. I, i'm i'm very curious about the you you refer to your act and at least in the beginning part of it as comedy magic and right. i've never heard of that before and I'm sure um, many of the viewers have never heard of that. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's a because basically you got a few different categories. You've got anything from like a close-up magic, which I used to do, right? Which that I'm familiar with. Art tricks and your you know your stuff kind of right in front of your face, right, right. Um, and then you got kind of like the the you got anything from bird acts to different kind of acts, and then you've got uh, guys that do more of the serious kind of acts um, until the big illusions, you know. So the stuff I do is kind of like a mix. It's a, it's a mix of stand-up comedy and magic. And then the magic has got such a comedy vibe in it that, um, you know, I don't just do a cut and restore the rope routine to where I cut the rope and put it back together. I do it to where you're laughing the entire time. That's and great. That's it's just kind of like every trick's like that. It's just got – and there's some stuff I do that's real serious and, and very kind of dramatic, I guess you could say. And I guess those are the ones I'm kind of famous for. But then there's stuff that's silly and fun. And and um, the main things I work is corporate shows and – I don't do comedy clubs as much anymore, but now I do um, uh, kind of like nightclubs and bars where I come in and I'm the full entertainment that night, or I have a couple comics in front of me and then I'll do my full show. But um, I got lucky the first time I worked at a comedy club, I headlined. And oh, wow. Yeah, nobody does that. No, nobody. I mean, no. That's very, very uh, lucky. Yeah, because, you know, most guys, you start off, you know, the, you know doing the open mic nights and then right. you finally see, then you finally feature, and then you finally headline. Exactly. Yeah. I worked the show so hard that, you know, first time I hit the stage, I, I was the, the big guy on the show. Wow. And and um, and the show sucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, at least you're, my, you're, now, yeah, you're being honest. 
like, oh, it was, but, and, and that taught me a lot because the audience was, was blunt. You know, some of them laughed, some of them thought it was horrible. And that taught me an extreme amount right there that, I mean, it almost broke me. It almost got me to where I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was there for a week and, um, you know, by the second night the show was hot and it just, it taught me so much that first night. But that was the hard thing that, that first time on that comedy stage because they, they don't play. <laughs> no, and, and, you know, I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I really admire about uh, comedy audiences is that is their bluntness. And if you oh, really yeah. – one of the biggest the, – the, mo- the, the stages – in our industry, if you really want to know how good you are, right. you get on a stand-up comedy stage. Whatever you do, you do up there. That audience will tell you, yeah, because they yeah, if they're good or not, yeah, they'll they, yeah, you know, they don't have time. They no, they don't. Because some some of them, the, fun, the the really cool thing about that type of audience is not all of them are there to watch you perform. Right. Right. Some of them are there just to have drinks or just to meet a friend or, you know, a friend. <laughs> and, you know, so they're like, what the, hell is, <laughs> the hell is this guy, magician, what the hell? Right. Well, and a lot of them come in, you know, just they, they don't realize there's a specialty act there, so they just think they're right. just a stand-up. And the next thing is like, what do you mean i got to watch this guy hypnotize people? But then after <laughs> the show, you know, they're going nuts. Right. And, um, you know, that's the thing. And, and it's such a crazy, crazy show that – it's hard to explain. It's one of those you just got to see it to, yeah. you know, to kind of really get it. But uh, a lot of people think it's fake. They think that I travel with, you know, 20 people. And it's like, no, <laughs> I never know who's coming up on stage. It's a different show every show. But see, but that's the beauty of it is that you get them to think that you've got all these people that are planning with you. Right. And, and you know, you can kind of use that. I'm sure you already I'm oh, sure yeah. You do. You know, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, that's why I tell them I said, buy the tickets to the next show. It's, it's all different people. You know, it's like I, I never know who. Which is kind of scary too, because I never know who's going to come. I never know who's going to come up on stage. But that's what makes it fun is that you know, I never know exactly where the show's going to go. I, I've got a direction that I kind of pointed into, but halfway through the show, it could end up someplace totally different, and that's what keeps me on my toes. But, and, uh, and and you know, one of the things that I've been because uh, I've obviously I've interviewed other magicians on the show before. I know you know Jim uh, Steinmeier. He's a good oh yeah. friend of the show and of mine. And and right. one of the things he's told me is that you know as a magician practices everything and and and, you know you never want to settle in just one routine you always want to try different things and and you know not to the point where it gets that you just are all over the place but another thing that he was telling me is that and and i've heard you already mention it is that like you know as a magician you always want to try working and working and working and it's a grind and in a lot of ways that's very similar to the stand-up comics and to a lot of the live entertainment stuff, uh, not necessarily the theater stuff, because theater is mostly solid, you know, standalone in one venue unless you're touring. But um, I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, did you ever get to a point where you were like traveling into different areas, like different states? I know, I know, in your in your resume and your profile it shows that. And right. if and did you ever get to a point where um, you kind of superseded just the, um, you'll forgive me, uh, I don't want to say amateur magician, but uh, you know, we're, like, because there's like stages in every career that you kind of like tiers. Did right. you ever feel? When did you feel like you achieved that tier, that tier of just being um, okay? I'm an actual real pro magician now. A lot of people are asking this of us, of of me rather in the show, that right. that are trying to get into this. And um, so yeah, there's, there's times I still wonder, <laughs> but um, I think a lot of it hit me like when the first time I had a a ticket through Ticketmaster. To where I was like, whoo, that felt like a step. You know, right. I was like, you know, you got your name on, you know, because I've, I've seen, I've bought rock stars 
concert tickets and, you know, I just had Ticketmaster on it, so that felt like something. Um, then when I started doing some TV stuff, and then it got to the point where, like, magicians that I looked up to are now, I've got their home phone number, you know, to, okay. you know, to where it's like I, I, they look at me the same as I look at them and we're friends kind of thing. Um, you know, so that's, it just, I, I think each step was just a little bit different. And then a lot of it was the venues that I was working to where people would come out because they knew it was me. And not because it was just a comedy show, not because it was a magic show, but because it was Michael Knight's show. And, you know, then that's when, you know, first time I seen him line up around the building, I was like, whoa. Wow, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I so mean, that, that's what felt good, you know. That, I bet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and awesome. I just did a show recently for, uh, it was a fundraiser. And right before the show, I think they sold like 100 tickets. So I went in, and it was for a, um, a volleyball team that, that um, actually they just they just won their their thing. They're in the, the I think their final four, if I remember. They're I think they're going to win the entire thing on this. But um, they brought me in to do a benefit for them, and they were actually losing money at that point. So I went into the school. I said, well, let's let's set up a thing, and I talked to to the coach, and we set it up to where I went in and did little performances during the lunch period, and got all the kids excited to, to come out. Next thing, they actually they had to make the theater bigger to get everybody in, and uh, luckily that they had like a folding back door that they actually took it out into the hall back behind it. Wow! And uh, so that's what allowed the girls to be able to pay for for all the expenses, be able to do all the trips they had to do. But you know that, that's what feels good is when you can do something, and you know, and then plus it's fun when you're out and you, know, you walk through Walmart and somebody's like, hey, it's Michael Knight, <laughs> you know. So it, it just feels kind of good, but you know, it, it's kind of strange still. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I bet, especially, you know, and, and I think, again, the further you go, I think the, the stranger it's going to feel. Oh, and, yeah. Because, you know, it's it just every, now for you, everything is going to be like, oh, I'm on this level. Oh, no, I'm on this, and it's just getting more and more. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think it's keep, just, keep yeah. One. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. I wish you so much. And now, now, I tell you what, you've also got something ahead of other magicians that I've never seen this before on, on app. Oh, I yeah. wanted to see if you could talk about yeah. this. I've never – this is really – I think you've hit on something here. Is this something you could talk about? And if so, what? what, what is this thing? Yeah, um, actually, Carl Andrews, another magician, was one that uh, kind of helped me with that. And um, it's something we just released last week. And if you go to iTunes, look under apps and type in Michael Knight, N-I-G-H-T. There's no K. Everybody puts the K on it. But it's just Michael Knight. And uh, a little logo will pop up. looks like a deck of playing cards, but it says my name on it. And then you can actually kind of interact with me and do do some magic tricks and everything through the app, and then you can show it to other people, and you kind of become the magician. So so, and so they interact with you? I mean, like yeah, well, yeah, they interact with the app to where oh, okay, okay. I'll do a mind reading thing with them and some different things, and then you know, and then plus they can get through my website that way and everything too. But um, it's just kind of something kind of fun. That uh, main reason I did it was kind of like it shows to where it's something that everybody kind of kind of download real quick and then take home with them, and it's free. And um, so they, it's just a way for them to kind of, you know, be able to show, you know, somebody else, you know, they get back to work the next day and, hey, I've seen this dude, check this out, and then, you know, they can do a magic trick. I, I, I think it's brilliant, honestly. I really yeah. do. I mean, I know, you know, that people are always into the digital thing, and, and, you know, magic is one of those things that, you know, how did, you know, I, I was wondering how it was going to get to this social digital divide yeah, or barrier. Yeah, a lot of things going that way, and, and the yeah. bad thing is, a lot of this digital social stuff is kind of killing magic too. That and I was I was gonna get to that. I'm curious so about that. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. That <laughs> yeah. I I'm I mean you know well look I I don't I think you guys are gonna survive. I really do. I mean if anything magic has survived 
so yeah. much. Yeah, what's known as the second oldest profession. Yeah. I, won't, I won't say what the first is, but they do both include tricks. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and they, yeah, and, 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 and Carl, Carl, like I said, is another magician that uh, he's the one that really helped me with the app. And um, it, it's, I've had a lot of fun with it so far, but like I said, it's only been out about a week. So I'm, I'm and, and the only thing I don't like, it's only for um, iPhones right now. So if you got an Android, sorry, you can't do it. Oh, and I'm, an, I'm an Android guy, so I can't yeah. even do it. Oh, you can't get your oh no. Well, but I mean, I'm sure I had, at I had to some find point. With iPhone, like, say, yeah, let's try this out. Well, maybe but, maybe at some point though it'll be available. Yeah, that's know. what I'm hoping that eventually, yeah. that, you know, big enough we can we can get it on Android too. Well, but, and, and so so it's it's Michael Knight. It's N I G H T guys, and right. it's available on iTunes right now. Just iTunes, Apple products or Apple devices. Yeah, yeah just look under free. apps. Yeah, just look under apps and then type in Michael Knight. That's awesome. That's I really like that. That's really cool. So then, um, so then you've got that going, and then now, do you have? Uh, now I know I read um, a story. So you've got like this amazing story that you that you've been telling over the years on how you actually got into magic and how it's kind of helped you. I know a lot of people that are going through things, and they kind of do. They use their careers as kind of a an outlet or a, a creative vehicle. And right. I know you've mentioned to me a few times how magic was really a very important uh, venue for you to kind of um, help you in a lot of ways through your life. Do you yeah. feel – are you – Oh, you we, an, we, can, we can talk about it. Are um, you – okay. I, I, only if you're okay with it. I don't oh, wanna it's, I, it's, you know, it's never easy to talk about, but it's something that um, I find that helps other people. And basically for people that don't know, I, I lost two sons. Um, I lost my 16-year-old son, Stefan, uh, to a brain aneurysm. And it was just a quick, sudden, you know, something we didn't expect. Um, and after I lost him, uh, he, he and I were extremely close. And um, after I lost him, I gave up. I didn't care. didn't think I could be funny. Didn't think I could hit the stage again. And I canceled all my shows. I stopped performing. Um, started drinking an extreme amount to where I would drink a case Thirty beers a night. Wow. I wouldn't start till nine o'clock at night, and I, that's how I told myself I wasn't an alcoholic. And I said, "Well, I won't start till nine o'clock at night." But I would drink the thirty beers by, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, sometimes four o'clock in the morning. Then I would pass out, and um, I got to weigh over six hundred pounds. Uh, don't even know the exact size because they said I'd have to get on a car scale to find out. Um, now I'm under three hundred pounds, <laughs> so that, that's a different story there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, finally got to the point, it was probably about a year that I just, I wouldn't leave the house. Um, actually, if you walked to my office, I, I would have to kind of kick through the beer cans. It was, it was bad. And um, one day I realized how mad my son would be that I let that happen to myself. And he was the type of kid that he would just, he would do anything for everybody. Even at his funeral, I was amazed how many like every kind of kid was there from, from goth kids to nerds to sports kids. To, and they, they were there because they cared about stuff. They weren't there to make an appearance. Um, you could tell they knew stuff and they cared about him. And he was just the type that if he was in the room, everybody knew who he was. And um, so it's, it's, it bothers me that the world lost somebody that was going to be a great human being. Of course. Um, then, um, so I finally got myself to where I, I knew he would be mad, so I kind of forced myself to get back out again. I started booking shows again. And the first show I did was a show that he and I would do every year, and it was back down, we're from Kentucky, 
um, and it was at a state park that I always worked, and it was a show he always went with me on, and we kind of made it like a little family vacation. So I figured if I can do it there, I'll be okay, because right? I know it would be kind of personal and, and difficult. And um, and I did it. And, you know, the show went good, and then I've kind of been going ever since. And then December 5th, 2010, I was returning. I was working at a comedy club. And um, at comedy clubs, you do like seven shows in five days. So after the last show, it was a Sunday night. I was just burnt out and tired of being in, in hotels. Or actually, this was a comedy condo, which those are not the greatest places in the world. No, they're not. They're, they're kind of like a cheap apartment. Yeah. And uh, the only nice thing is when I'm there, it's, it's usually just me compared to, like, with comics. they got to share it with all the other guys on the bill. But um, I just got to the point I wanted to go home. And it was a really busy December, so I knew that I had a couple of days off before I was on the road for the rest of December. So as I was driving home, I got maybe 10, 15 minutes from my house, and I fell asleep at the wheel. Mm. And um, apparently I, when I did, I, I, I'm – Six foot four, so I'm a really big guy. Like I said, I was over 600 pounds at the time. So my foot went down on the gas, and I have no clue how fast I was going, but I smashed into the large metal pole that holds up a McDonald's sign. Oh. Yeah, the cloud still doesn't talk to me. And, um, but it uh, it brought the engine in, I thought, me, and then my cases, I had ATA cases that hold all my equipment, and they crushed me from behind. And um, it's kind of final final destination thing, too, and one of the cases has a, a hole in it where a mic stand hit it that if that case wasn't there that mic stand would have been in the back of my head oh my god but it um it crushed both legs it broke the left leg um just a couple inches above the knee and the door buckled in so it actually like bent the leg and it broke it above the knee and broke it up by the hip and then my right leg it totally shattered my my ankle and up a little ways of just above the ankle to where the foot was kind of just dangling um and the weirdest thing is, is I, I kind of woke up and I could have swore I heard Steph and yelled, Dad. And that's oh, what I... wow. And when I woke up, the like, I could hear, like, the, the rain sizzling on the engine and the, the windshield crackling. And I'm like, what happened? And I was like, I, it took me a minute to kind of realize what was going on. The next thing, the back window blows out. So I thought, you know, it was just from the impact. But there's two guys that lived in... Um, I guess you'd call ghetto apartments across from it. Mm-hmm. And they were um, still in my cases. They were still in my show. And so I tried to get the door open. Luckily, I didn't get it open because you know, I would have stood up and fell. But um, I yelled at him, and I told him I had a gun, which I did Hold on. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Back up a second. So you just had an accident. accident. And two guys. And these guys yeah, they're were going to steal your stuff. Yeah. They were just reaching and grabbing everything. <laughs> Oh, God. They probably thought it was, you know, music equipment or DJ equipment because, you know, it's the big road cases like you see a band has. It's those kind of cases. So, you know, so they're probably thinking, hey, cool. DJ. You know, but. Um, I'm like, oh, cool. This guy's going to die. Let's just take his stuff. That's okay. Yeah. So, you know, but I bet they were pissed when they got back and found out a bunch of magic tricks. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> but um, when I yelled, I had a gun. They yelled something I won't say on here, but they did some curse words and said, he's still alive. And then they yelled "popo" when I heard the, the sirens coming, so they grabbed a few cases and took off running. Oh my God! Uh, so the cops got there and, and uh, the first responders and actually had to cut me out. And there was blood all over the place. My bottom teeth actually come through my lip. And if you notice, I always keep a little twang on my my lower lip here because there's a huge scar down here. Oh and wow! So there was just blood pouring all over the place. 
I broke the steering wheel in four places. That uh, you know, that's they kind of give an example of just how big of a guy I was. You're killing me here. And, um, so they they got me out of the uh, car, and basically I had I kind of lifted myself out of the car, and they had to pry and open up the like where the the dash and everything come in on me. But eventually we got out. Um, went into emergency surgery, and there was actually a friend of mine that was a cop that he didn't realize it was me. He didn't recognize me, and um, it's been a while since he had seen me, and he seen everything. It was, you know, was taking care of, so he was driving away, and one of his buddies called him back to go, hey, that's your magic buddy, and he goes, what, that's Michael Knight, and he turned back around. He didn't even know it was me, and luckily for him, he grabbed my cases because otherwise I probably wouldn't have had any of my show left, oh, God. Uh, but uh when in emergency surgery, they put a, a fixator on the right leg just to kind of hold everything together. And then they put a rod up and through the left. And at the time, I didn't know that that surgeon left a drill bit. He broke a drill bit and left it in my bone. Oh, man. Yeah. He later. But um, so I went through the whole thing of, of couldn't walk, couldn't do anything. And, and there's, it's kind of a long story of everything that went on with that, the, the horror stories. And then um, while I was dealing with that, it was probably about a year later, my oldest son um, actually got a call from a comic. His, his name is the Disgruntled Clown, extremely funny uh, clown. Um, but he calls me up, and, and he goes, um, when I answer the phone, he goes, you're alive. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, the comedy club just called and said that you killed yourself. And I'm like, what? They said, yeah, it's the news. So I checked the news, and here it's my son, Mike Jr., that had killed himself. Oh, my God. And I found out. And um, so I got myself into the wheelchair, called my, my uh, sister and her, her boyfriend come down and got me, and I went to my son's house to find out that he committed suicide. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, terrible. So, yeah, and, you know, you never expect to lose one child, let alone two. I mean, and so it was, it, was, it was an extremely rough patch in between there. And then, wow. uh, and then after all that, um. I ended up with an infection in the bone of the right leg that wouldn't go away. So then they ended You've up. Gotta be kidding me. Yeah, but they basically cut the foot off. They didn't, they didn't cut the entire foot, but they basically cut, opened up the skin, went in and removed about just less than three inches of bone, and then they put a fixator on my leg, and another uh, one. Yeah. They another, put, oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. There, yeah. So this one was like totally engulfed the entire. So you're thing. like uh, you're basically Iron Man, is what you're telling <laughs> exactly. me. I bet you do. <laughs> the um, I was actually a, a, a woman that really changed my life. Um, I was engaged to her. She she proposed to me just before surgery, and um, after the surgery, she every day would take a wrench and kind of crank on the, the the fixator, and would slowly bring my foot up to the new part of the cut. Mm-hmm. So we took up that about three inches up, and um, and then once it we got there and then we waited about a year with the cage on for the bones to connect and to this day i'm still not fully healed the um the right leg i'm only about 60 percent grown back the left leg i'm only 10 percent, which actually i just broke it again the other day oh for crying out loud if it wasn't for the rod inside there i wouldn't be able to walk on it but uh yeah if it wasn't for her i mean she she did a heck of a job but then as things went on she kind of went her own way and yeah. so that but um you know, so it's just been like one thing after another. <laughs> I can see that. I, I can't even, first of all, thank you for, for that. I mean, I don't, oh. uh, cannot even imagine 
how difficult it must be. Just not even to just have lived through it, but to talk about it. See, hearing, you know, I can now that I, you know, and I, I've read this obviously in the article you yeah, shared. Yeah, if you my website, there's more detail. There's yeah. a, a Vanish uh, magazine, is Magic magazine. They did a nice uh, article on it, which I haven't read. I I can't get myself to read it. I don't. But, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can understand that. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of people said that it was a really nice article. That uh, it is. It is. And, I, they, uh, they, they, but it kind of goes into more detail if people want to want to read more about it. Sure. Um, just go to my website. And then I think it's under media, um, and then there's I think news and information or something like that. Then you click on it, and it'll, you'll see it says Road to Recovery. It's a big picture, and you can click on that and it gives you the full story. And but, it, yeah, I mean, and you know, I think guys, you know, ladies and gentlemen, hearing his story, you know, I mean, this obviously you've been through a lot, but you're but you're persevering. You're you're fighting. You're still out there, and the fact that you're doing what you love, what your son loved, I think that shows well, a lot of. It's easy to give up, yeah. Yeah, and 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 it's it is, and and to see that you're doing it, I think shows a lot of courage, shows bravery, and it and it really shows, you know, I think the love you have, uh, for your for your family and stuff, I think that shows through your, sure. you know. I've had I've had a couple times to where um. There was one I did. Uh, it's kind of like an interview type thing for a lecture for the local news station uh, for one of the reporters asked me to come out, and I did it for a bunch of high school kids. And so I just kind of did a few tricks, talked about how I got into magic, and then um, I've got a tattoo on my arm that is of my youngest son, and uh, somebody asked me a question about that. So I talked about him, and then I talked about my oldest son. And one thing that I said was, with suicide, a person, uh, it has to be an extreme reason they do it. And... The bad part is they do it to end their pain, but they really don't end it. They just give their pain to somebody else that loves them. Right. Um, yeah. And by me saying that, there was a young girl that came up to me after the lecture, and she said that she had a bully at school. And she was at the point that that night she was going to go home and take her life. And because where I said that, you know, you just give that pain to somebody else, she realized how much she would hurt her parents. And she's like, I don't want to do that. So I was like, you know, I saved somebody. So I was like, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. You did I've, a couple times, and um, you know. So to me, that's why I try to talk about it. You know, it's it's a lot of people. You know, they how can you keep doing it? How can you? And it's like if I can help somebody else, then my boys didn't go for anything. You know, you know, for nothing. Right. They, you know, it, it it keeps them going too. Exactly, and and it, exact. It, you you said it. I can't say it any better than you just said that. And and it, it just anybody. I think there's so many people out there that you've helped. You don't even realize. And yeah. you know. I thank you so much for sharing that, you know. Uh, so where do you go from here as far as your, your act? Just a kind of uh, segue, I mean, a little bit. So where are, are you – you're I'm still doing sure. live stuff, right? I mean, you're – Yeah, not not as much as I used to um, just because the, the pain's so bad. So I, I kind of pick and choose when I do it compared to, you know, how I'm feeling. Um, I miss doing the shows all the time. Yeah. And Love to kind of get back into that. I would, my dream would be to have my own theater to where I wouldn't have to. Oh, travel. you and me both. <laughs> yeah, to where you know that way people come see the show and it, and it wouldn't be. Right. And um, but you know the chance of that happening. <laughs> you never know. You know. You know. Maybe it'll outbalance all that stuff. You know. You yeah. know. You <laughs> right. never know. But, Hopefully um, it will. Uh, the the acting thing was fun. I just uh, like I said, uh, December 9th is when it comes out. Uh, it's okay. called Shelved. And um, now this is now. I'm sorry, because you, you cut out a little bit. What is this oh, now? Sorry. It's it's a horror flick that I've I've got a very 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 tiny little part in. Okay. 
and uh, I actually play Santa Claus. And um, the uh, <laughs> you play Santa Claus on the movie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of like a drill sergeant Santa Claus, but um, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm hoping. I'm sure I suck, but you know it's like the first time I've ever done something like this. But it was fun. Yeah, it was, it was just a small independent kind of thing, and and uh, you know there were great great people that did it. But um, that's coming out December 9th, um, and uh, for people in Toledo, it'll be the Mommy uh, Theater in Toledo, Ohio. But okay. um, and then uh, they even sell it afterwards. I guess you can get it on Amazon, all that kind of stuff. Okay. But, uh, and it's called Shelves. It's called Shelves. And if you go to my my fan page on Facebook, it's Michael Knight Magic. Uh, I'll be sure to post something up there that people can find out about it. Yes. But, um, you know, so that was kind of fun. So, you know, I'd like to do a little more of the acting if if I get better at it. And then, um, you know, who knows? Like I said, you know, it'd be wonderful to do something because I know Ellen loves magic. It'd be wonderful to get on her kind of show just to open me up to a bigger audience. But I mean, yeah, and of course we're – yeah, I mean, and of course we're doing all kinds of stuff with this show and and with my – theater company we're trying to do a lot of live shows locally so yeah. we're, we're you know we're definitely definitely you and i are going to work together at some point i can come to florida yeah <laughs> yeah that, somehow i don't know how but we'll figure something out exactly maybe we'll use the iron man mark exactly. M- michael i want to just thank you so this has been re- to say revelatory and outstanding is putting it mildly oh, um okay. really uh i i mean wow you blew me away um you, you 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 know what you made magic happen. How about that? To not be so corny, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I can't stand corny magic, and that's kind of what we were saying earlier about like where magic's going on YouTube and all that. It's like yeah, and I want to keep magic hot, sharp. Right, and, right, right. So I, I I would ask you if you if it wouldn't be too much to do something, but I, the people wouldn't see it. Only I would see it. Well, they can just go to the app and, and do it themselves. There so. you go. There you go. So, uh, guys, look for you know, look through your local town. Maybe there's a magic store. I have one here. And yeah. um, if you you know look, so Michael Knight. That's with an N I G H T. MichaelKnight.com, and you can also find him on Facebook on Michael Knight Magic. Yes. And the uh, app. Twitter, Twitter is Comedy Magic, and I've got I've got about thirty-two okay. thousand followers on Twitter. So wow. Them. And uh, yeah, there's I'm always doing some weird stuff on there. Awesome. So there you go. There's a lot of different ways. And on in, in the iTunes store and the App Store, look up uh, Michael Knight, um, and please support him and other magicians. We need to keep this alive, guys. Yeah. So say hi to me on Facebook and on the fan page. I'd, I'd like to hear from people. So. Yep. There you go. Thank you once again, Mike Michael, for coming on the Graveyard oh. Shift. We hope to hear you hear from you again. Oh yeah. Thanks. Thank Thank you, my friend. You feel that universe? That satisfied feeling only comes from having finished a super epic, awesome episode of the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Hosted by your illustrious host, Emmy. Make sure to follow on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift and our Twitter feed, hashtag Emmy Shift Show, to stay in the loop for future episodes. Until next time, Shifties, we're punching out.